Blog Talk Radio. Hello friends, Michael Greywolf here. It's the final weekend of Pride Month and the 51st anniversary of the Stonewall Riots, or Stonewall Uprising, however you want to call it. You know, we had no Pride parades or Pride parties this month, and that's okay. We celebrate Pride every day just by being unapologetically queer, just unapologetically ourselves. We as a community are currently standing with our queer and non-queer black siblings as they fight against racial injustices that they have been facing for generations. Now, we are also in the middle of a very contagious pandemic, and it's, you know, it's taking its toll on a lot of people mentally, physically, obviously physically. We at Walking Dead Lane Path are taking a little bit of a break. We're trying to get ourselves in you know, the right spot so we can come back and give you all some amazing content. Uh, but in the meantime, we hope you will enjoy this classic episode of Walking the Ending Path. This is episode 42, Pride 101, which originally aired June 10th uh, of 2018. With this episode, we will also be posting links to some of our more recent uh, episodes that we've done on Pride. We hope you'll take a listen and let us know what you think. We also hope that you enjoy this final weekend of Pride. We hope you stay safe. We hope you continue. We hope you continue to support the Black community in their struggles. And you know, Black Lives Matter. All lives can't matter until Black Lives Matter. I hope you enjoy the show, and we will talk to you soon. Hello, and thank you for tuning in today. I am Michael Graywolf, artist, traveler, all-around geek witch and brother initiate of the unnamed path and this is matthew sydney musician writer and brother initiate of the unnamed path and you're listening to us tonight on at our brand new time and on a brand new date <laughs> uh, there's been a lot going on in matthew and my life in the past month or so and so we had to you know kind of rearrange things so starting today, we will be broadcasting live every second and fourth. I almost just had it Sunday, 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 at yeah, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, which, what time is it there for you, Matthew? Uh, so it is uh, 6 p.m. Pacific. Okay. So, so yay, new time, new date. And you're listening to Walking the Unnamed Path. <laughs> On this podcast, we discuss the teachings and techniques given to us by the ancestors of men who love men and laid out by our late founder, Hyperion. We also touch on topics and ideas pertaining to queer pagan men in general. We're glad you've decided to join us tonight, and we hope you'll be part of the show either by calling in at area code 347-308-8222, or you can you know, hang out in the chat room or drop us an email at walkingtheunnamedpath at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at walking underscore the UP, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash walkingtheunnamedpath. Now, Matthew, it has been a couple months, maybe, about, yeah, about two months or so since yeah, we I'm, have been on the show together. Yeah, I'm thinking it's been about a couple months. So how have you been? I mean, obviously, you know, we keep track of each other on Facebook, but, you know, just talking to each other, we don't really do that much. 
Yeah, I've been I've been doing well. Um, I guess just to fill our listeners in, I am a member of the San Diego Gay Men's Chorus. So um, <clears throat> our last show, the theme was movie night. So it was songs from various movie soundtracks. So I was hard at work preparing for that show. And also I am now a teacher of Unnamed Paths. So in February, I started teaching a small group of students. So I have my hands full with them. And that's been an amazing experience. And so also getting into the swing of my day job. I'm blessed uh, with a very exciting day job that certainly helps me keep all my bills paid. And But there's a bit of a learning curve. It's a little demanding, a little intense. So, um, you know, I've been focusing a lot of my energy on really stepping up to the plate and doing the best that I can in that arena. So uh, overall, though, things have been amazing. I'm very, very blessed. And, you know, of course, there's challenges. I think I think we're all challenged right now in the world, especially in the United States, um, the stuff that's going on. I think we're, we're all being pushed um, in terms of our mental health, especially. So uh, I've been also going really deep into my spirituality, going really deep into my practice. So lots of meditation, lots of practicing what I preach as they say, and especially since I'm teaching on the path, I feel an obligation to um, lead by example and to really uh, work hard to stay on top of my game in my spiritual work. So I've been investing a lot of time in that also. That's awesome. How have you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and once in a while I come up for air. How have you been? I have been good. Uh, you know, we've had, you know, with Matthew, you know, taking his break, you know, we've had a couple of, well, we've had Chase Powers, uh, our brother, uh, stepping in every so often to be my uh, co-host. And I've been good. I have, uh, I, if I could speak, oh, and I do apologize for the barking, if you hear barking. I am currently at an in-person class, which is one of the things we do for students of the Unnamed Path. And two, two, te- two of our teachers, uh, our brother Sphinx and our brother Ken, have some of their students here. I'm at, in South Texas, and you know we did a whole bunch of stuff this weekend. But other than, and he has two dogs, two lovely little basset hounds. Well, not little. Basset hounds aren't really little. <laughs> but they do like to bark. Anyways, I am good. I... Love my job that I'm at now. I'm so glad that I left the big box store and I now work for a small, but you know, doing very well, uh, holistic uh, pet food uh, and supply store. And I, put, I get to play with puppies almost daily. Nice. So I'm happy. Cool. <laughs> I'm happy about that. Um, and other than that, I have just been busy working and. You know, trying to you know, reestablish my roots back in Dallas. And it's slow going, but after this weekend, I feel like I'm going to be able to, you know, dig those roots down pretty deep and start doing some work that needs to be done here. 
you know, it, it, when you spend time with your brothers or within, with your spiritual community, it does wonders for your spirit. <laughs> I did not realize how much I missed hanging out with other queer pagans until this weekend. Yeah, it's definitely very nourishing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, speaking of, you know, hanging out with queer people, not just, you know, queer pagans, our topic for today's show is kind of like a Pride 101. I kind of had this idea of doing a show at the beginning of the month to, well, beginning of this month, especially since it is officially uh, – LGBT Pride Month, and you know, I was like, I want to do something for Pride, and like, what can what can we do? Because there's going to be a whole bunch of media people who are going to be doing stuff for Pride, and so I just I was like, let's talk about our experiences in Pride. Maybe make some suggestions, or you know, maybe talk about some stuff that we've noticed in Pride that we can work as a community to improve or change. And, you know, you didn't know Pride is traditionally celebrated throughout the month of June, maybe a little bit of July in Dallas, where I live, we celebrate Pride in September, which has whole, which I'll talk, which I will talk about a little bit later when we talk about some stuff. But, in May of 2016, President Barack Obama officially de- declared the month of June LGBTQ plus uh, Pride Month. So, Matthew, what does Pride mean for you? Well, it means so many things. Um, gay Pride or LGBT plus Pride to me means honoring ourselves and honoring one another and the fact that we have an important place in the world. And I think it's important to remember our history and within the civilization that we come from within Western society, Western civilization, our kind have been suppressed and maligned and scapegoated and murdered for centuries and the kinds of freedom that we have that we get to enjoy today um, are, are, are really very new um, for this civilization. Um, And I think it's important to remember how hard um, we've had to fight, how hard the last generation and the generation before that had to fight to get us where we are today. And I think it's also important to remember how hard LGBT plus people are struggling in other countries where it's even more dangerous to be openly queer than it is here. So I think for me, Pride is about that awareness, recognizing where we came from, recognizing where we are today, and recognizing the work that we have to do in order to manifest the best possible future. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, when I think about pride, 
I've always just kind of associated pride with being a celebration of who I am, you know, me as an individual and just, and I guess me as my community. I have not, I have been fortunate and privileged enough to not have to fight a lot of things. I, I know growing up, my peers, my community was fighting for all these recognitions, all these rights. And I was privileged or, you know, what's the right word that I'm trying to say? It wasn't on my radar growing up to be doing a lot of stuff that those who came before me did. But I have benefited from their work. And for me, pride is celebrating you know, all the work that we've done to get to the point we are now. And you know, I, I definitely think that you know, I feel I, when I look back over the years, I feel like we kind of forgot a little bit about how we got here, and we're just focusing on the now, like what we have now, and not thinking about what we had, what it took to get here. And, you know, I'm saying all this yeah, from my own perspective. Well, yeah, I'm, sure. I'm saying all this from my own perspective as a cisgendered gay man, and I know there's so much more work to be done. What are you going to say, And Matthew? so what popped, <laughs> in, yeah, what popped in my head as you were talking about how for some people or you know or, or you've had the experience of just kind of being focused on the on the now i i think that one of the challenges is that a lot of people when they come out of the closet no one really says okay now that you're out of the closet you have to take a a course in in gay history and so within our community we have a lot of wonderful wonderful people who really don't know where we came from, who really don't know where the gay pride celebrations come from, who don't really know uh, what has gone down before. And I think that there is an important opportunity for us to strategize ways. How can we educate ourselves? And there's all kinds of things Mm -hmm. about, I thought I was informed and there's so many things that just this past year that I've learned about our history that I never knew before. And it's really humbling because here I thought I, I knew so much and then to realize, well, gee, I, I only knew a little bit, little bit. And um, every time I learn more about our history, I have a deeper appreciation of the challenges that the last generation have, have gone through. And, you know, the emphasis in, in gay pride celebrations uh, nowadays is mainly the celebration and okay, we, you know, we're going to have a party. Okay, we're going to have a parade. Okay, we're going to have a little, you know, bunch of bands play at, at the park and vendors. And there's this whole, you know, we live in a capitalist consumerist culture. So naturally, um, our gay pride has become this consumerist capitalist um, activity, just like everything else uh, is in, in, in this in this culture. Um, but you know, so okay, we were going to go out. We're going to have a good time, but you know, it's important to remember that the first, you know, the first, you know, this all, it all started, it all started with a riot. 
it all started mm-hmm. with oppressed people fighting back against uh, fighting back against the police, and that there are still people in this country who are struggling against police brutality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those of us, you know, someone like myself who's, you know, <clears throat> you know, has been assigned to the label white and, you know, I, I get to walk down the street and, and look like, you know, what the media projects as a respectable American, um, you know, it's, it's, I have to be very conscious of the fact that, um, you know, back in the 60s, you know, I wouldn't be able to walk out of a gay bar without fear of being harassed, forget about by hooligans, being harassed by the police, being beaten by the police. And I, I, I think it's important for us to remember or to know we have to, we have to keep talking to our elders. We have to keep learning from those who were there, um, and it really wasn't that long ago, what things, what things were like in the 60s and the 70s, because in many ways things haven't changed that much, and things can go slide backwards very quickly. And I think, yeah, we can celebrate and have a good time and party, but we have to remember this all started with a riot. It started with political activism. And we would not have anything that we have today if it weren't for us acting out. You know, when you're when you were talking about, you know, listening to the elders in order, I couldn't help but think about the fact that, you know, our, our, gov- our government physically worked against us and helped kill off almost a whole generation of our people. Yeah. You know, not recognizing the AIDS epidemic. You know, working against us when trying to find, you know, ways that, you know, stop the spread and, you know, ways to help make people better. Yeah. Yeah, it's, we are, you know, it's not, we don't hear it much anymore because it's not politically correct. So clever people and well-informed people and professional people will not say this publicly, but they certainly say it in private. We are people who are hated and feared. And that's what we have been fighting back against. That's what we're still fighting against. And it's, it's interesting. I know Recently, it's, I know it's, people have raised it before. I've even had private conversations where, well, why call it gay pride? You know, pride is one of the seven deadly sins. You know, pride is not a good thing. And, you know, my rebuttal to that is, well, you don't understand the meaning of the words you're using. <laughs> yes, there's such a thing as as in Greek, what we call hubris, which is overweening pride. And we can think of that as a cardinal sin. Yes, when you're prideful to the point of um, pushing everyone else down, that's certainly inappropriate. But in the context of gay pride, I would say what we're really talking about is self-esteem. What mm-hmm. we're really talking about is is mutual respect. And because what is the opposite of shame? The opposite of shame is pride. And so for generations and generations, our kind have been told mainly for because of Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, to be ashamed of who and what we are. And so here we are today, the men who love men, the queer men, queer women, 
queer non-binary people, and we've inherited generations of shame. Those echoes, the wounds from the generations past of suppressed and closeted queer people and all the shame they bore on their shoulders. We've inherited that pain, and our opportunity now, our job is to try to heal that. So how do you heal shame? What do you replace it with? What's the opposite of shame? What's the antidote? And that is pride. And that's why we Mm -hmm. need pride. It's not just, yay, I'm great. It's also doing that shadow work. It's also doing that deep inner work of transforming because that shame that we carry around, that's why we're suicidal. That's why so many of us become drug addicts. That's why so many of us Uh, have a hard time maintaining healthy relationships because our parents and our families and our country and our religious institutions have told us that you are something shameful and you are an abomination. Die. Mm. That's what they've been telling us. And so I feel that my job and our job here is to say, no, we are of essential value. You need us to heal. Mm -hmm. The human race cannot survive without us. We are essential to manifesting the greatness that is humanity's future. And we will not die. We will stand forth and flower and shine our light in all its many colors. And that yep. is why pride is important. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, Sorry, I, I, get, I get all worked up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no worries, Matthew. Uh, you know, I've missed that about you. Uh, it's the bard in you, you know, just coming out. You know, <laughs> the words come together and just blow out of your mouth. <laughs> but, you know, can you, do you remember what your first pride was like? Oh, man. Um, I'm not quite as young <laughs> as I like everyone to think I am. Oh. You, you look oh, at him. You, you look. You look fresh and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think yes. Yeah. So I, you know, fortunately, I was very young when I came out, um, and I was blessed to live in in a community where I had some support. Um, and so I was pretty fairly young when I went to my first gay pride, and I think. Um, I think it was very emotional for me. I think it was very healing. I think I got choked up. I think seeing that many queer people being openly queer in broad daylight, um, you know, was uh, emotionally cathartic. Um, uh, You know, it would have been, I was in Fort Lauderdale at the time. And so... I mean, my first Pride event, I mean, I, it could have been the Stonewall Parade. Um, it was Fort Lauderdale slash Winton Manors. They do, uh, nowadays, they have, uh, in I think it's in spring, they do Gay Pride. And then in June, they have a Stonewall celebration. So they kind of have two major events every year. Um, but I don't remember anything in detail, but I do remember the feeling of of gratitude and the feeling of hope because I think back then I really you know felt that we were making such great progress and we were on a good path and that this was just the beginning of of 
things getting better and better for everybody. What was yours like? I've been I've been trying to think about that. Uh, I mean, if you follow our Facebook page, I have been posting uh, 30 Days of Pride. We did that last year, and lots of people liked it, so I decided to do it again this year. And I'm making my own this time. Last year, mm-hmm. someone had created this 30 Days of Pride thing, posted it on Tumblr, and I was, you know, credit I credited them, and was just posting it to our page. And now this year, I'm creating our own. And one of one of the first ones I asked was, "What was your first pride like?" And I was like, "I cannot. Yeah, you know, I I'm not. I really don't feel like I'm that old, but I cannot remember what my first pride was like. I remember. I don't know if it was my second or my third. It may have been my second one actually. Actually, being in the parade. Um, yes." Yeah. It's because I got involved with the uh, Gay Straight Alliance at my university, and we were invited to march in the parade with the Oakland Band, the area where our our gay ghetto is called Cedar Springs or Oakland, which are where the two these two streets intersect. And the Oakland Band invited us to march with them. And I was actually at the front of the parade holding the banner oh, cool. for the Oakland band. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is a lot. And I was, I remember being scared, but also, like, just, what I, I can't even think of the words I want to use. I was just, I guess, feeling enormous amounts of pride at <laughs> That's the only way I can describe it. At yeah, coming so far from, you know, being in the closet, like, and considering doing um, conversion therapy because I grew up Baptist, and you know, being ashamed of who I was. To oh my gosh, I'm marching at the head of the freaking uh, Alan Ross Freedom Parade. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> And, you know, I, I do remember, you know, one of the first times going to Pride, just being in awe of all the other uh, queer people around me, you know, all, and we were all so different, you know, the groups of lesbians, the groups of gays, the intermingled groups, like everyone just having fun and just being excited to be there and be who they are. That is just, I just, I remember seeing that and just feeling like this is where I belong. Yeah. Now, what what was your last, like the last pride you attended, what was that like for you? Was it very much different from, you know, what you can think about your first time going? Uh, the last Pride that I attended, so this would have been in Palm Beach. Uh, and um, let's see. So that year, um, I'm trying to remember, was it that year or the year before that I was in the float for um, one of the local bars? Um Uh, 
you know, the memory's not so good. I think, um, <laughs> you know, before I moved to San Diego, I had lived in um, the Palm Beach County, Florida, uh, for well over 10 years. And uh, I lived in a wonderful little town called Lake Worth. And Lake Worth is a funky little town that hosts the Palm Beach Pride. So that's the actual little city where we have the parade and, uh, you know, where we have the uh, celebration set up, et cetera. And uh, we, we, in that area, we have a large and, and thriving gay community, but, you know, it's not, it's not a major international city. So the, the scene is very close knit. So my experience at my last pride was running into people running running into so many people that I had lost touch with. Um, and, and to me, that's really the best part. You know, sometimes running into people, oh, I haven't seen you in three years, or I haven't seen you in five years, and being able to reconnect with people face-to-face um, is, for me, uh, I, I think the highlight of that. Um, and I was really blessed to, you know, live in a community where we kind of had a little bit of that Mayberry uh, atmosphere in the gay scene um, mm-hmm. for good or for ill sometimes it's not so good but um, yeah. to me that was that was that was the best part of it and, and the most rewarding part of it um, also to realize that I am now that I'm older and matured but also now that I've done a lot of inner work a lot of worked on my own issues done a lot of I do a lot of consistent shadow work I'm so much more confident than I was 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And I'm much more comfortable in my body. Do I have a supermodel body? No, not at all. Um, do I beat up on myself, you know, as much as the next person, you know, about not having a supermodel body? Of course I do. But, um, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm now I'm, I'm comfortable I'm comfortable taking my shirt off. I'm comfortable being myself. I'm comfortable loving myself the way I am. I'm comfortable seeing myself as valuable the way I am. Um, and I've, you know, moving into that ideal of, okay, hopefully one day I won't care at all about what the, the media and advertising says uh, uh, I'm, I'm supposed to look like or what a healthy body looks like. Um but, you know, pride events, because they're usually outdoors, it's so much more fun when you're comfortable in your body. It's so much yeah. more fun when you are comfortable and at ease with your own sensual experience. Because, yes, absolutely, there is a sensual element to pride gatherings. Yes, it's, it's our sexual expression, our expressions of love that we have been maligned for. So yes, absolutely. When we come together in pride celebrations, we are celebrating our sexuality. And I know that makes some people feel uncomfortable. Um, But to those people, I say, listen, you're uncomfortable with my sexuality because you're colonized by an unhealthy and toxic civilization that has taught us that sex is something shameful and dirty. And you need to unpack how you really feel about your body. Um, that's my pushback to people. 
you know, who have a hard time with, oh, my gosh, you know, how, you know, they're running around in Speedos, you know, or, oh, those lesbians over there, they have took off their bras and their tits are painted. I mean, you know, get over it, buddy. You know, our society is backwards. We're so comfortable with images of gross, horrible violence and torture. We let our children watch the most violent movies and video games, and yet we we teach them that expressions of love are shameful. We need to turn yeah. that around. That's just sick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh. So much truth, yes. And, you know, I have to say, the last Pride I attended, it was a little bit of a culture shock for me because, you know, I, the Prides I had attended had been in Dallas. And Dallas is a major city here in Texas, if you didn't know that. I mean, who doesn't know Dallas is a major city? I'm sorry, yeah. a little bit of Dallas too coming out. And for the last two and a half years, two and a half, three years, I have been, I had been living in like central uh, Illinois. I mean, I was living in Champaign-Urbana, which is not a small town. You know, it is a, it's a major city for the area. And the pride was just so much smaller. It was so... I guess it was like what you were describing, more close-knit, like almost everybody I saw knew each other or had interacted with each other some way, somehow. And, you know, just, and it, but, you know, being a college town, it's fairly progressive, not as progressive as they would like to believe they are, but they are very progressive for the area out of, you know, being rural, uh, Illinois, and there were just so many people just lining up the street, you know, uh, you know, kids, families, and they were all there to celebrate. It made me miss out because I missed the big flashiness, but it made me appreciate the small community that was there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm coming down a little bit. I'm like, let's not get emotional. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. It's okay. Just breathe. Yes, just breathe. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think how do I want to say. So, you know, one of the things I think about with pride is traditions that. I've made around, you know, celebrating my queerness and whatnot. You know, have you, you know, do you have, do you, when you think about it, do you have any traditions or pride that you do? Oh, wow. Um, no. I mean, it can, it can be silly. <laughs> no, be I serious. don't, but I love the idea. <laughs> I mean, when, when I think about it, I think about, you know, watching some of my favorite cheesy gay movies. Movies I watched with my roommates when I was younger, you know, getting ready for Pride and whatnot. Like, there's an old, I mean, 
when I say old, I mean I think it was in the 90s, and just saying that it's old makes me feel ancient. <laughs> a movie called The Trip. And I feel like most gay men have seen this movie. If you haven't, go find, go find it and watch it. But, you know, watching that or even I would occasionally get a chance to find one of those, you know, old documentaries from the 80s uh, called, like, Before Stonewall or After Stonewall. If I got a chance Mm -hmm. to watch those for Pride. Or even, you know, reading any of my favorite books, like queer books for Pride. Or, you know, just going out dancing and meeting friends for drinks or dinner for Pride. Yeah, I I think... It's kind of weird that that could become a tradition, that, you know, we're creating our culture. (laughs) Right. I mean, for many many years, um, so, you know, I would go to... I would go to Pride uh, every year. I mean, I guess usually in Palm Beach. And um, I guess you could call it a tradition. I would always get uh, tested for HIV mm-hmm. at the – because usually, you know, in, in the park they would have, um, you know, a tent where you can get, you know, tested. Um, and uh, so that would always be a part of my experience. And – you know, when when I first came out, um, HIV um, was in those days still very, very deadly. And so I came of age and became sexually active when, um, you know, uh, safe sex was something we were talking about all the time. Um, condoms were... Uh, you know, almost Tory. Um, very few people were barebacking at that time. The word bareback hadn't even been invented yet. Um, and so there was this, we were all haunted by this feeling um, that every time you're intimate with someone, you're taking your life, uh, you're putting your life at risk. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I think so. There was always this um, bittersweet flavor to everything, and you know, dark and light. Um, so yeah, it's a great thing, Pride celebration. But you know, while I'm here, I'm going to go get my AIDS test, and you know, hopefully it comes back negative. Hope, 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 hope. It comes back negative. Um, because back then, uh, it, the virus was not as manageable as it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, things are much better today. Um, but I guess you could say for me, for a long time, that was almost like a, a tradition. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in this, this annual thing. So it was, Pride was fun, but there was also this very serious element to it. And it's also that time of year where I would always, you know, have that moment, okay, you know, what are, what are my test results going to be? Um, and, 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 
you know, wondering, you know, what if, what if, what if it comes back? What if the test is, is positive and, and, and what is that going to mean for my life? Um, so that's the closest thing I can think of to having, a, you know, an, an, an annual pride season tradition. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, it's actually, well, it's not funny, but coincidental. I did that myself at the beginning of the month. I was like, you know, for pride, I'm going to go ahead and go get tested. And I think that's a, you know, it's an amazing, it's an amazing and responsible thing to do for pride. And I am going to say this word, I am privileged enough to live in an area that has a free clinic for me to go to. You know, I, mm. I could go to my doctor and, you know, have hor- this horrible doctor bill later. But, uh, you know, when I was living in Illinois, you know, Champaign-Urbana, they do, they have a, a LGBT, re- uh, if I could speak, they had an LGBT resource center, but they did not have free testing. And, you know, getting back to Dallas, I never really appreciated the convenience, the, the, again, privilege, I guess, of having a clinic in the neighborhood meant specifically for my community that would treat, that would, you know, test me and treat me if needed. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was actually talking so, to my boyfriend about it, and he was saying, I'm so very jealous that you have that. They do not. Wow. You know, I didn't – you know, I never really thought about that. I didn't realize that there were areas that that didn't have those resources. Um, where I'm from, Fort Lauderdale and Palm Beach, um, you know, where I, I'm – we all we always had institutions that would provide um, free testing and institutions that would help people find treatment if they needed it, and it's it's really a little heartbreaking for me to hear from you that there are areas in this country that where people don't have those resources, especially knowing that you know a lot of queer people, um, you know. Like it or not, a lot of us, um, it can be a little bit harder for us to get a job than, than, you know, straight presenting people. And there's a lot of us who, there's a lot of us who, who don't make a lot of money. There's a lot of us who don't have health insurance or who have health insurance, but, you know, don't have the money to, to afford co-pays. And it's, we have to, I don't know. It just seems to me we, I hope we can do a better job of making these services available. Um, mm-hmm. it, it benefits society as a whole. It benefits the community. It's that's the only way to keep a handle on STDs and is, is to provide these things. And it's, little mind boggling to me to to realize that there are areas that that don't have those programs. Yeah. 
What? Yeah, here's something. What do you? I'm gonna answer this question too. <laughs> but what do you think is, would be some good things to do during Pride? You know, we, you know, obviously we talked about you know going to get tested and whatnot. But I think getting involved with the community is something that we should think about as individuals. You know, where we can get involved. Obviously, not everyone can you know do everything. But, you know, if we don't care, take care of each other, who will? Well, yeah, that's I, – I have a couple um, uh, ideas, mm-hmm. and one thing that pops into my head is uh, anyone who works for an employer, who's fortunate enough to work for an employer that supports local gay pride events, participate um i uh when i was back east um my day job there i worked for a company that supported miami pride and i would seldom go down to miami you know everything that that i needed or wanted was in palm beach and fort lauderdale miami's you know an hour plus drive away and you know congested in traffic and who wants to deal with that but um i did walk in the miami pride parade um, with uh, my employer and representing um, the company. And I think it sends a powerful message. Um, in a day and age when more and more companies are supporting LGBT plus rights and supporting pride events, I think those of us who are employees of those institutions, we need to step up and participate because it sends a powerful message to everyone from HR to the CEO, that it's what the employees want. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we're appreciating their effort to be more inclusive. And it, it also sends a powerful message to the public. You know, if, uh, uh, you know, XYZ Corporation is marching in the parade and they have five people, that's great, but if XYZ Corporation is marching the parade, they have 10, 15 people, that sends an even more powerful message. And these things really do help move the needle in our culture because, mm-hmm. you know, when, when, when the CEO realizes, oh, wow, we have this many people turn out, and, you know, maybe that CEO in, in the privacy of his home, maybe he's a little homophobic. Maybe, you know, or maybe – Maybe he's a little old school or she's a little old school, and, and maybe, maybe, maybe they have a, a kid that, that happens to be trans but that hasn't come out yet. And so – but for the CEO to see the needle moving, to see this is you – know, the, you know, the customers like this and the, the, the employees like this, um, you know, it can help them have that moment and realize, you know what? I'm biased. I need to work on that. And if they have that moment and they start working on it, then maybe that can create space for their trans child to come out to them. And that's, yeah. you know, th- these are the kinds of healing moments that, I, I, that really need to happen. So um, I would encourage anyone, and believe me, I've been there. It's like, oh, I really don't want to do this. I don't want to go down to Miami. I don't want to hang out with a bunch of people from work. Um, you know, it's I, you know, you know, I'm hanging. You know, I'd rather hang out with friends. But 
you know what, sometimes it's worth it to make a little sacrifice for the greater good. And I mm-hmm. did, the times I did it, I loved it, and it was a great experience. And I was like, okay, this is cool. I'll do it again. Um, and I may have the opportunity. Um, you know, it's, uh, I'm, still, I'm still getting my feet wet here in San Diego, but I may have opportunities to participate in, in Pride here. So we'll see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing that I would suggest. And the second thing I would suggest is, you know, a lot of people, they don't really, maybe they're not really into the bar scene or they don't go out much until Pride. Um, and that's like the time of year they'll go to the parade and they'll go to the festival and they'll go out to a couple of after parties and a couple of bars. And I'd say, if you're going out, talk to someone who you do talk to someone you find unattractive. I'm not saying don't talk to people that you think are hot. But what I'm saying is make an effort to talk to someone that you normally wouldn't talk to someone you normally wouldn't. Um, spend time with based on the way they look because you might make a lifelong friend. That person may have something to teach you. That person may have uh, invaluable information for you. Um, you know, I think uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's one thing that I've learned about me is every time I've stepped outside of my comfort zone, I've grown and it's been a positive experience. And I think in, in an age and in a culture where so many people are made to feel ashamed about their gender or about the way they look, um, you know, we judge ourselves and we judge one another. And there's a lot of unfair judging that goes on. And so let's just be kind. You know, maybe, you know, maybe you're not used to being around non-binary people. You know, maybe there's a non-binary person at the bar and – you know what, step outside your comfort zone, talk to that person, get to know that person. That's a valuable, wonderful human being. And, you know, we don't have to just talk to people we want to hook up with. <laughs> you know, there's, there's more to life than that. And there's more to community building than that. If we're only exploiting one another for sexual pleasure, that's not how you build a community. That's not love. That's just using people. Um, building a community means giving. It means um, sometimes postponing personal gratification uh, in order to grow, in order to learn something, in order to help someone who needs a helping hand. So uh, you, that, that's my, my number two. And, you know, step outside your comfort zone and, and, and make a friend. Make a new friend with someone outside your social social circle. Maybe maybe you're a queer man, cisgendered, and you know what? Make you know make friends with with that lesbian couple at the bar um, or that you run into at the park, um, because these kinds of things are going to enrich us, and also. It, these are the building blocks of community and with what's going on in the world now, we need community more now than we ever have before. Yes. <laughs> and you know, I, I want to tack on a couple things to what you said, you know, when you interact with someone that like Matthew was saying, going out and interacting with people beyond just wanting to hook up with them and building relationships, building community, 
you know, you never know the person who you talk to, who you start building a relationship with. You might, just might, not saying will, find someone who you were meant to spend your life with. You never know. You know, we yeah we very, we do very much get caught up on, you know, looks like what we're looking for in a mate, like just like a what's the word I'm looking for? Like you're on the hunt. You you gloss over everything else because you are looking for what you have in your mind is perfection, which perfection does not. Perfection is what's the word I'm looking for? Perfection is. In the eye of the behold. That, that's not what I'm wanting to say. I can't think what the words I'm wanting to say. Relative. Perfection is relative. Because nobody's perfect. Everyone has flaws. And it's our flaws that make us, you know, amazing people. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. No, that's... That. Yeah. I, I think that's... I think that's wise. I think it's important advice. You know, sometimes... Sometimes the exact thing you're looking for is is wrapped up in unexpected packaging. Mm-hmm. And you know, going back to the employer, you know, if a, a thing to do during Pride is definitely support businesses that are LGBTQ plus positive. You know, if this business has is a constant supporter to our community for everything. Give them business. Or, you know, during this time of the month, we see all sorts of advertisements and whatnot aimed at our community and the people who are, who are trying to market to us are doing it because we have, quote, and disposable income, end quote. Not all of us do. I'm just saying, you know, that's why they look because we don't have, typically don't have kids. We, you know, like to go out and have fun and whatnot. And that's the only time they look at us for, you know, to line their pockets. But if we focus our attention on the companies that are constantly supporting us, you know, others will end up falling to it and be like, okay. Maybe we shouldn't be giving money to this Republican and whatnot or giving money to this group that family values and whatnot. You know, maybe we should be more open-minded and support the people that are in the community that are, again, I'm lost. Forward. <laughs> I'm getting a little too excited. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I no. I mean, I think I get it. I think I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Is you know, it's it's a circle. So complete the loop. You know, when you mm-hmm. when we make the effort, you vote with your dollars. You know, I'm selective mm-hmm. about where I'll spend my money. I won't. I will not. I will not spend money at Chick-fil-A, period. Um, that's an example of me voting with my dollars. You know, and it's not just those of us who have a lot of money. It's you know, If you have $5 to spend, 
selectively. That that five dollars has power. So use that five dollars. If you have a choice between a vendor or a, a a food place or an institution that's very supportive versus one that isn't, um, err on the side of giving that money to the one that's supportive because that's that's feeding that support. That's a way of expressing gratitude. That's a way of helping to maintain that support. Mm-hmm. And, you know, other things that you can do during Pride or even, you know, if you find you like doing this during Pride, continue doing it is volunteer. You know, I mentioned we have a resource center here in Dallas. It is run by volunteers. They have a small paid staff, but the majority of the people who work there, who help, who are there to help you are volunteers, even at the clinic. It's mostly volunteers. And being involved with communities like that, you might find something that you've been looking for. Like if you, like Matthew was saying, if you're someone who doesn't go out very often, you don't go to the bars except maybe during Pride or go to your neighborhood except during Pride because you feel like you don't belong, try going to your resource center. Or if you don't have one, maybe seeing if there's people around who would like to start one. I mean, another... I'm trying to think. I mean, the parades are usually volunteer. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Volunteer staff. Or the rallies, they're volunteer staff. Yeah, and that's, that's, a great like su- that. that's a great suggestion. And also, I would encourage anyone, if if you're in between jobs right now or um, if if you're struggling a little bit and maybe you don't have a lot of money to work with, um, volunteering is always appreciated. And volunteering is a way to, when you're giving of your time, giving of your energy, it's appreciated. You're going to feel rewarded. It's going to give you that boost. And also it's an opportunity for you to network. And, you know, times when I was a little bit down and out, times when I was in between jobs and struggling and didn't know how I was going to pay my bills, um, I did try. I would just, okay, well, I'm rather than sitting at home being depressed, I'm going to, I'm going to volunteer and get involved in the community. And um, to me, that was the best therapy. And it was the best way for me to feel that my life is valued, my time is valued, um, and that I'm connected um, to people. And then another thing that just really popped into my head, um, but I think it's appropriate to what we're talking about, is you know, uh, the whole issue around body image and judgment. And there's a lot of people who Mm -hmm. feel that, you know, only, only thin, attractive, rich, white (laughs) men have a presence of representation in the gay community. And there's a lot of people who feel very frustrated by that, who feel very marginalized. And when you look at the flyers and the ads and and things like that, that is definitely the case. Um, the the advertising, the media, the happy pictures, they always favor lots of thin, pretty white people, cisgendered. 
Um, but that doesn't mean that those of us who don't fit those criteria don't have a place. We do have an essential place. And I've gotten frustrated with a couple people who have said, oh, you know, I don't like to go out because, um, you know, I'm middle-aged and I don't have a six-pack and nobody wants to talk to me and everybody only wants to talk to the, you know, people that are very young and very fit. And why are people so shallow? I have a lot to offer. Why is no one giving me a chance? And yet I've seen those same people, when they do go out, they're only interested in talking to the thin, young, white people. <laughs> so, so, dude, you know, don't be a hypocrite. <laughs> if you, if, you know, if, if any one of us is complaining about the culture being, you know, if you feel like, you know, it's too shallow or too superficial, well, you know, take a look in the mirror. Because have you gone out of your way to talk to that 70-year-old person at the bar? Have you gone out of your way to talk to that person in the park who's obese? Have you gone out of your way to talk to that transgendered person who um, doesn't necessarily pass very well? And I, I think... You know, there's there's power. We all have so much more power than we realize. And the things we complain about, that's great. But when we complain about something, it's an opportunity to look at what we can change in our own behavior. Um, because we're all a part of that system that we're complaining about. So when we make that small change in the way we relate, in the way we react, in the way we behave, that's a small step in ch changing the entire uh, zeitgeist. You know, quite a few of the things I feel like we've been mentioning have kind of almost fallen into the lines of a type of etiquette that we should be having when we're at Pride, um, being respectful of other people, being open to talking to other people. And, you know, I'm trying to think, what's the words I'm wanting to say? Trying to... I, I feel like I'm getting a whole bunch of things popping in my head at the moment, and I'm trying to, trying to. Um, it's One not at what I'm time. To say. Yes, I'm like too many voices. Well, you were talking about uh, too many etiquette. voices. Not enough mouth. Yes, <laughs> and you know. Can you give me an example of like a, a specific um, scenario that might come up? Being like, you know, one of our most marginalized groups within our community are our transgender brothers and sisters. And, you know, I, I have not encountered this myself, you know, but I have had friends who have, in Dallas, I had a friend who was a bartender at one of the major dance clubs, and he had a trans gentleman come up to him and ask, is this place trans friendly? He worked at a gay bar. My friend worked at a gay bar. 
And wow. He he did not feel safe going to the bathroom. Wow. He he was worried he would be harassed if he went to the bathroom in the gay bar. Really? Yes. And I I don't know if you know. I I don't know how this young man looked, and you know putting an emphasis on how someone should present themselves is something that we should definitely like start to eliminate from our minds. Because uh, I, if I wanted to, I could wear makeup and whatnot, and you know be how I felt like this is how I feel like I should look. Uh, and I have worn makeup. I think I look nice in it sometimes, but it's not something that <laughs> I need to present myself. And like, and even assuming that someone needs to present themselves in a certain way to feel safe, just going to the fucking bathroom, you know, we need to... I be loving to each other. We need to educate ourselves on the different aspects of our community. And yeah. I guess going back to being respectful of each other. You know, if you see someone who doesn't fit how you think they should look, come to terms with your own preconceived notion. You know, I think you're right. I think you're right. And as someone who admittedly, I've struggled with my own biases and, and I've learned, you know, if I, you know, and for me, it hasn't been so much in the queer community, but um, I've been in situations where I've seen someone um, or, or, you know, and, and, and had like a strong indignant reaction um, you know, maybe just based on the way they're presenting themselves and then really had to set myself down, okay, why am I being triggered by that? That that person's not hurting mm-hmm. me. Why, why, you know, where is this coming from? You know, what, what kind of bias am I harboring? And is that serving me? Um, let me unpack that and, and figure out where, where it's coming from and, um, you know, let, let me entertain the possibility that if I – if I move away and stop reacting from that biased position, maybe, maybe I can have a happier life. Um, <laughs> and I, and I think we do have a happier life. The, the more we can, you know, uh, recover from, from uh, the, these, whatever biases have been programmed into us. Um, and yeah, I think you're absolutely right. That the, the, the transgender community is, is you know probably probably the most marginalized part of the LGBTQ plus um, spectrum and we de- we need to do a better job um, and for me spiritually um, you know my approach to queer sexuality has always been very spiritual um, and based on my research and studies and at a very, very, very young age, um, I've really always approached um, 
the blurring of the gender lines as a sacred act. I see trans people as doing drag can and is a sacred act. Being non-binary is a sacred way of being. And outside of the limited context of Western civilization, we have tens of thousands of years of culture all over this planet of what we would call non-binary, genderqueer people, etc., as being sacred and holy. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm so committed to Unnamed Path, because I feel that in, and I'm deeply committed to gay community, but I feel that there's a spiritual element that has been forgotten. Um, And I understand why that is, but I think we need to bring that, integrate that into the gay community, that we are sacred beings, we are holy beings, we are, this is a spiritual, our lives are spiritual, our life path is spiritual. And when we relate to our own lives that way, when we relate to to one another, you know, we're not just political activists, we're not just sexual deviants, for lack of a better expression, we're not just gender deviants, for lack of a better expression, our life, who and what we are, is sacred and holy. And I think if we move through that awareness and we'll treat ourselves better and treat one another better and with more respect as well. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm, I'm trying to think of something else to say, but I feel like we've covered so much <laughs> already. I'm like, what else can we talk about? <laughs> I mean, well, so I think much we've talked about. Yeah, but, we've we've covered know, a lot of ground. Yeah, and we've we're actually, I think we've we've been um we've been on the air over an hour. Yeah, you know, I'm going to share a couple of links to our Facebook page. You know, the couple couple government pages like President Barack Obama's proclamation of uh, you know, June as LGBT uh, Pride, uh, Pride Month, if I could speak clearly. And I, I actually had already shared this link to our Facebook page when earlier in the week when I was advertising for today's show, a really well-written article uh, about – it's titled – why some gay men hate pride parades and ourselves. And mm. I, our, our brother Chase shared this article on his Facebook page, and I read it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, yes, yes. Because, you know, during this month, I start seeing a whole bunch of people post stuff about, you know, they'll, they'll post a picture where there's people celebrating pride now. You know, they're half naked and, you know, doing simulated success or something like that. And underneath it, they'll say, I mean, above it, they'll say, this is bullshit. And then below it shows a picture of, it looks like a protest, like a, one of the, right. like an early protest. And they'll say, this is pride. I'm like, I, I don't know if someone, I remember seeing someone say, this picture is coming around again. I maybe have seen. Yeah, yeah, I maybe yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, I 
that that meme keeps coming around every year because I, I've it's been around for at least a couple of years now and um and I you know the funny thing about memes is who's the person who put that together mm-hmm. and what was their motivation what was their agenda because there's a single person who took the time to put that together and that person did that for a reason and I would just like to know what that reason is, because a lot of times with social media, um, these memes go around or uh, articles from dubious sources go around. And I see a lot of um, all of a sudden something that has never been an issue is all of a sudden an issue. And so I always question, well, where is this really coming from? Who's the source and what's their motivation? Mm-hmm. Um, but putting that aside, I do understand that um, the sexually charged energy of many a gay establishment, particularly the bars and nightclubs, the sexually charged energy of a summertime parade celebration is going to make people uncomfortable because we live in a civilization that for Hundreds of years, the uh, memeplex that is uh, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam has been programming <laughs> has been programming our you know people for generations that the this is bad and shameful. It's an abomination, and so yes, it's going to make people uncomfortable, and particularly in broad daylight, seeing that sexually charged energy happening and on main street and in, in, in broad daylight. And some people are going to clutch their pearls and think, Oh my gosh, what are, you know, what are the decent folks going to think? You know, what are the, you know, you know, what, what if the children see? And um, you know what? Well, let me tell you about the children. The children have seen that and worse on HBO. <laughs> so let's just put yeah. that aside right now. Um, and uh Really, I, and this is why I brought up the, the, the example of, okay, there are times I've been triggered, and then, okay, well, let me look at my own biases. Why am I being triggered? And I think this is an example. People are triggered because so many people have unhealthy attitudes towards sex. Why mm-hmm. does sex have to be something that is hidden away in the shadows? You know, but at the same time, we glorify violence. You know, watching pornography is something – that's treated as something dirty and shameful and secretive, but it's perfectly acceptable to go out as a group and watch Saw 4. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe I'm a mutant, maybe I'm a strange, strange person, but I think a lot of pornography out there is wonderful, beautiful art. And I think that Saw 4 is freaking disgusting. <laughs> And movies like I cannot, I can't watch movies like that. I, it's, I, why? It's, it's like you have, to, like I, I don't understand the enjoyment. Like you have to be a really sick sadist to derive pleasure from watching that kind of violence. But we treat expressions of love like that. It's, it's something, you know, that that we have to protect each other from and protect the public from. You know, it's it's I I I I I feel compelled to push against that and to push against um, this. And I think it's 
you know, I think it's something that's rooted in this colonialist European empire, you know, that's now infected the whole world. And, and you know, this, this false idea that, you know, oh, violence is fun entertainment, but sex is shameful. Love, yeah. is, love is shameful. Well, you know what? I, I'm not buying that. And, I'm, and you know what? I'm going to use whatever platform I have to preach against that. Because I'm calling it out for what it is. It's BS. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's another thing that's meant to oppress everyone. It's meant to oppress everyone. And, you know, my, when I saw that uh, meme, come, that thing come across my, you know, social media and whatnot, the first thing that came to my mind was, well, yes, pride is this, you know, protest at the bottom. But, you know, it's not that for everyone. Pride is also what is happening above. Pride is, you know, pride has changed over the years. You know, the way we celebrate it has changed. The way we do pride celebrations have changed over the years and it goes back to what I was saying earlier for me pride is celebrating what we have you know remembering what it took to get to where we have you know the fact that you know we have gay marriage is legal now I know so many people who are like I never thought this would happen in my lifetime yeah but, you know, I also know people who are like, okay, now that we have this, let's keep going and continue fighting. And our, I would say that just existing as ourselves is a constant protest yeah. to those who would have us, you know, disappear. And Having pride is my chance to, you know, step back from doing everything I do on a daily basis to proclaim I am here, I'm queer, get used to it, to having some fun. And that's just me. It's going to be different for someone else. It's going to be different for you. It's going to be different for the person over there. You know, pride is, for, pride is different for everyone. So, right. yes, if your pride is going to be going out marching, protesting, yeah. But pride is also going to be, you know, two guys gyrating on a float or two women gyrating on a float. Um, or, you know, a man and a woman gyrating on a float. Let's not do the whole bi erasure thing. You know, bisexual people are a major part of, are a part of our community. I mean, they are, everyone's a major part of our community. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Just taking a breath now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, this is um I, you know, I I I think these are all issues we it's good for us to visit, you know, and and especially um moving into pride season you know i think that uh it's it's easy to lose the forest for the trees it's easy to just kind of 
okay, I'm going to go to this event, that event, and it's fun, and not really even think about the deeper issues. So I think it, what we're doing here and exploring, I think it's it's empowering, um, and to really see, um, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, there are some you know festivals going on and some things to do, but there's there's a whole richness underneath that and around that that is a part of that, um, but that you know can sometimes get ignored. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't know about you, Matthew, but I think I think I might be done for the night. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we did well. Time flies when you're having fun. We went over a little mm-hmm. bit, which is uh, a good problem. Um, mm-hmm. So it's um, thank you for picking this topic, and I'm excited to be back. Um, I love what we're doing, and and. I love you, our listeners, and um, we're gonna be we're gonna be doing we're gonna be doing a lot more of this. So, any any of our listeners, if you have ideas, suggestions for future shows, for future topics, please reach out to us. Um, any questions about whether it be unnamed path or just queer spirituality in general? Um, you know, don't hesitate to reach out to Michael or to me. You know, we're we're here for you. We both believe very strongly in supporting you and supporting our community, building our community. So we're here for you, and we're fighting together. And it's Pride season, so we're going to be celebrating together. And um, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and you know, remember, we what makes us unique is our unique capacity to love. And so love, that's the most important thing we could, that's the most radical act that we can do is to love one another, love our friends, love our lovers, sink our teeth deeply into passionate relationships, despite everything going on in the world. Um, That in and of itself, I think, is a powerful and important act of resistance. Yes, I cannot agree more. So I'm going to play us out for the song. Matthew, I have missed you. I'm so glad you're back. Yay, I'm glad to be back. I missed you too. <laughs> and I'm thrilled about our new time slot in the Pagan Tonight lineup and uh, day and time. You know, I'm looking forward to you know, doing this every Sunday, every other Sunday now, almost. It's almost every other Sunday, yeah. The second and fourth Sunday of the month. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And yeah, happy Pride. And I'm going to play that with a song. This is Celia, Red Alabaster and Blue. He is a young African American male. By the time he hits draft age, he might be dead or live in jail. And he found his life of crime When they said no child left behind He's an American too She is 90 with dementia all alone Well, her family couldn't take it So they put her in that home And now she withers down to bones At night she gently moans 
she's an American too. She is a young mong refugee, she's full of child. If her daddy finds out, he will go insanely while they say they understand her plight, call themselves the Christian light. She's an American